think Nipsey Hussle was killed in 2019, I was like, there's more to it than this. People had been renting it for photo shoots and video shoots constantly. We were making money. We were making more money from that than we were for co-working. Mm. And then Nipsey Hussle passes. He's literally the impetus because he also had a co-work space. He was literally the impetus to like vertical integration. Hey everyone, this is Amber Key and you're listening to a Bright Idea podcast, a show that sits down with entrepreneurs to hear about the aha moment that launched their businesses. On today's episode, we're joined by Patrice Camus, owner of Camp Spaces. Camp Spaces is a brick and mortar franchise concept that offers physical spaces and full service content experiences for production teams, business owners, and marketing professionals. Camp Space's flagship location is in Hyattsville, Maryland, right outside of Washington, D.C. Built out of a necessity for entrepreneurs looking for a place to work, Camp Space launched in 2016. While working as a co-working space, Patrice noticed that creators were booking the space on weekends for photo shoots and filming content. That's when the light bulb went off in Patrice's head that Camp Space could be more than just a spot for people to work but a place to empower and equip founders, experts, creators, and teams with in-house support to confidently create content they love. I've always been entrepreneurial. For my 16th birthday, I didn't have a sweet 16 party. I had a shopping trip to like the biggest outlet in the country because I like shopping. I like designer. And I was like, let me just have all my friends pay for me to take a trip and then I can spend the money I can spend the profits on a shopping trip, right? That's always been how my mind works. So after um, graduating from undergrad, working in a PR firm, I didn't work with any PR clients that look like me. And so that's what had me start a PR company. So a lot of my friends from Maryland were promoters and had club businesses. I was doing the PR for them. Mm -hmm. And at, a t at the time, you weren't seeing parties in the in the news, right? But one of my clients, Mitch Mathis, who was really one of the first big club promoters in the DMV, DT Nation, it's his company. He had an event, a sneaker event, and it was on the cover of the Metro page in the Washington Post. And that's when I was like, yo, this is what I want to do. So fast forward, getting my master's working in nonprofit and PR. Um, I learned that there were no spaces in the county to do events, to work remotely. And that's where Camp Space started. Hmm. I want to back up a little bit because you went to school undergrad uh, for PR. What like can you tell me about like growing up as a child? Like what kind of kid were you and why was PR like a, a path that you wanted to take in college? I always knew, like I said, I always knew I was a communicator. I, I knew how to, I write very well. I like to be in entertainment like I was on the dance team. I was like you know, in the newspaper, like that was my vibe. Right. Mm. Um, and so then when I went to, when I went to undergrad, I thought that I wanted to be a marketing major, but at Maryland, you have to be in the business school, which is very difficult to get into if you're not a fan of math and math is not my, I don't, yeah. Mm. So <laughs> my advisor said, well, have you ever heard of PR? And I was like, no, I don't, I had no idea what this was freshman year. And that advisor, and this is why it's so important for adults to pour into children and mm -hmm. students. 
because I had no idea what public relations was. But when that advisor said, well, you ever thought about this? It was like the world opened up Mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, I can do this, but just in a different way, still marketing, but from a storytelling standpoint, which is what I'd always been doing anyway. Right. Mm -hmm. And that was how I learned about public relations. And that took me down this rabbit hole of learning about it, reading about it, getting internships. This is my son. You might see his little face peeking. (laughs) (laughs) But I got an internship at Vibe Magazine where I worked in the PR department. And that was where it started. So I had no idea what PR was as a child, as a teenager. Mm -hmm. But this advisor cracked the code for me and helped me see that this was a very viable career path and showed me what was possible. Yeah. But then that's when I took the reins and really got into it. So like I said, I secured an internship at Vibe Magazine. Vibe Magazine at the time was the biggest hip-hop, RM, like just hip-hop culture magazine. Mm-hmm. Not from a rap standpoint, but from the culture as a whole. Fashion, business, food. Like if you were, if you were in entertainment, you wanted to be on the cover of Vibe. And so mm-hmm. for me to be able to intern there as a junior at Maryland was a big deal. Um, yeah. So I was working at my first job out of college at Ketchum was in 2005. The idea for camp didn't come until 2014. So there's nine year difference there. And I think that's a big piece. We're in such a microwave society. Quick, let's do it. I want this. I want this. But this journey, that 15 years was, is real. Like nine years in between working at a PR firm and having the idea, but then another how many years to actually build the space. So in between working at Ketchum, I worked at two global nonprofits in the communications role, but then I also had clients. This is when I took it upon myself to represent people in the NFL, to represent celebrities, because I always wanted to be able to do something that I liked or not even liked, but I was passionate about. And my full-time jobs didn't always offer that. They were great jobs, travel, career advancement, but I love seeing my people shine. Like I love helping my talented brothers and sisters, peers, because many of these people were my peers. We're, we all kind of came up together. Just wanting to help them like, see like, yo, that's not how you brand yourself. This is not a real press release. Why don't you have somebody covering your event? Let me help you. And that's, that's just where it came from. So did that in between having a child, getting married, moving back to Maryland. I was a teacher for two years, getting my master's. But in learning about what my clients needed and having to meet with clients and having to host events for clients, I always had to go to DC. And I was just like, I don't want to go to DC to do this. I have a child. My life is in this area. I don't want to pay for parking. I don't want to do, it was a lot, you know? And that's where the idea came to open up a space for creators and entrepreneurs that was in the suburbs. Cause mm. again, I don't want to have to always go into DC. And at the time, my peers, we were having kids, we were working, none of us was in DC. We were all living in Prince George's County. And that's where it started. Um, I also, now, now that I'm talking about it, I started this kind of blog called Cookie. And Cookie was a, a network for women entrepreneurs in a DMV. And this was, again, this was before my time, literally 2013, 2012, 2013. And I would do these networking mixers once a month. Dominique Broadway, who's a financial guru. She was one of our first speakers. 
Ronnie Brown, who was a social media, you know, celebrity at this point, she was in the blog. A lot of the girls that you see killing it now, mm-hmm. I featured them eight years ago in this cookie thing, be it events, be it um, blog articles. So not having a space for my clients matched with wanting to kind of more so cultivate a community that didn't exist. That's really where the space came from. Now, was this all happening as a side hustle? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. I was working at, um, I was working while I was getting my master's, I was working at the USO, which is a global nonprofit for service members. My husband is a 25 year army reservist. So I love that work because at the time my husband was deployed. Also, yeah, that was also happening too. My husband had been deployed twice. <laughs> um, so I did that. And then I also got a job at Rain, which is the Rape, Abuse and Incest National Network, global nonprofit that really leads the charge in supporting survivors of sexual assault. Mm-hmm. Um, so working those jobs full-time, again, very impactful work. But I'm the type of person, I can knock out my nine to five I'm done by 11 a.m. Like, I know how to get it done and get yeah. out of there. And yeah. so there was this time to do other things. And yeah, I probably shouldn't have been doing it. In just listening to your time frame of this idea of camp space, um, you said that it um, you opened your doors in 2014. And the way that we think of creators in 2014 is very mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. from how we think of creators now. And so I think about camp space and I think about how your idea was like kind of ahead of its time. Absolutely. What did you like, what was the need during that time that you were trying to solve? Yeah. The need was really selfish. And a lot of the things that I create are because I need it. Yeah. You know, I didn't go in and, 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 you know, check with the market. I didn't do any of that. I wanted a space to work remotely with my clients and have events. So I said, I'm going to open a space. I had some money for my 401k because I switched jobs and I figured it out. We opened in March of 2019. We built a community. I built a community. When I said I was going to open it, I said, okay, let's try to figure out how to get people to know about it. So I was just hosting these pop-up events. And just a reminder, when we first opened, it was a co-work space. It was like WeWork. Okay. Which absolutely didn't exist in in the PG County. There was nothing. So I was doing these pop-up co-work events every other month to just build some type of interest and people would come and I would partner with businesses along the Route 1 corridor, restaurants, libraries, like just like, hey, I want to have this event here. Can you give us some space? You'll win because my clients are going, the people that come are going to purchase from you. They're going to get lunch and I'm bringing people to you. So it's a win-win. They signed on. Um, and I was just doing that and people were starting to come. And so I'm like, oh, okay, well, and I was, I had a social media page at the time. The name had never changed. I had the, I had the trademark, I had the website. So it was like the space didn't exist yet, but the community existed mm-hmm. and you get enough people to start coming. You start reaching out to politicians, you start building some interest. It's like, well, let's just get the space open. Mm. But then a year after we opened, yeah, we opened in 2018, March of 2018. Nipsey Hussle was killed in 2019. I was like, there's more to it than this. People had been renting it for photo shoots and video shoots 
constantly. We were making money. We were making more money from that than we were for co-working. Mm. And then Nipsey Hustle passes. He's literally the impetus because he also had a co-work space. He was literally the impetus to like vertical integration and understanding that if I'm a, if I have a co-work space, it's fine. People are going to eventually grow out of it. That's the point. You use the co-work space, you build your business, you grow your business, you need a bigger space, you get your own space and then you move on. And that was happening. Yeah. And then that's it. I don't see you anymore. But the people who needed to create content were taking pictures regularly for their brand. They were hosting networking events. They were even coming back for their kids to do like photo shoots. And I'm like, yo, I'm seeing this same person four or five times a year. This is the business. It's not mm-hmm. a co-work space. So in August of 19, I was like, we need to pivot. I got to change this around. We're not going to be a co-work space. We're going to be a content creation studio. Again, this had not happened in 2019. So when I see it now, it's wild to me because it wasn't happening, but then also like people just do not give you credit. And I don't do anything for, maybe I do do things for credit, but I'm the type of person, like I just said, Nipsey Hussle. I don't know Nipsey Hussle. I've never met him. May he rest in peace. But I never tell this story without telling where the inspiration came from. Mm-hmm. It baffles me when people don't do the same because that's just weird to me. But I also know that inspiration is the highest level of, um, of, I guess, respect. There's a quote and I'm saying it wrong, but I see it now. I was on somebody's page yesterday and I'm like, yo, they're literally using the same words that I used back in 2019. Yeah. <laughs> so I know I, I know when I die, I have amazing impact and that I have to pray. I pray that that's enough as I move forward. Would you say that your aha moment is the inspiration from Nipsey Hustle? like go at the vertical integration that you're referring to? Absolutely. That was it. You know, when he passed, I did the really insane deep dive, as many people did. Um, but there was just something really um, just like gripping mm-hmm. about how and I, I, I still wish that I was that I was a fan before he passed. Like, I wish I was a part of that movement because I remember hearing about it, but I just never connected how this man was his his crew, not just him too. It was the entire All Money In crew, his brother, his cousin built this thing from nothing. Like, open the store, selling t-shirts. The t-shirts ended up being the marathon brand that is what it is. Mm-hmm. And while also making music and creating and doing it independently and never, never wavering, Mm -hmm. like passing up multiple deals when it didn't make sense, selling a product for a hundred dollars that had never been sold for a hundred dollars and people buying it because you believed in it. Yeah. So, you know, when I see other studios, you know, our studio rents for one nineteen an hour and it's about to go up Mm -hmm. and I've had people say that's too expensive. That's fine. This is top tier. This is top tier and that's okay because the people that need it, they're here. Mm -hmm. Um, So he was absolutely, absolutely. And I still, you know, I have a podcast as well. There's many episodes that I dedicate to him. I mention him very often and I will never, I will never not, that will never not be a part of this story. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
And so you said that you weren't so much of a fan of his. Well, you didn't know as much as you know now about him while he was alive. But yeah. when when he passed, his legacy lives on. And then you Absolutely. you really did. Absolutely. Yeah. It's funny. I was having a conversation about something very similar that, you know, while people are alive, we don't pay as much attention to what they're building here on earth. And then when they, when they leave, then we're like, oh my God, I had that realization when Tina Turner died. It's that happens for a reason. I think those who are able to understand the importance of that person while they're here, life just means more. How dare we, now that we realize the impact personally, but as a whole, and realize that the person is no longer here to continue adding to that, how dare we not make, how dare we not honor it? Right. It's like, now we really got to respect it. That's yes. interesting you mentioned Tina Turner, because before she passed, I watched her um, documentary. Yeah, same. And I wrote about it in my journal. It shook me to the core about how this woman was like literally set up to fail on so many levels and still lived life. She she had this aha moment where she said, oh no, we're not doing this no more. Mm-mm. She like, freaking moved. She moved, moved to another country. She's like, another no, country. I'm reclaiming my time. I my will write time. my story. It'll be my narrative. Like this is, and I think that's what drove me to tears, honestly. But no, um, you know, just reclaiming your story reclaiming and building your, your and building your own narrative, I think is, is, is really something that that sticks with me not only in knowing in my rediscovery of Tina Turner but also listening to you you and yeah. how Nipsey Hussle was part of your inspirations for yeah. not only creating this space but being able to build it with a business model that's yeah. able to scale you know one of the things that i really loved about reading just your bio and getting to know you a little more is um earlier in this episode, you were talking about like, you don't, you don't want the credit. You don't, you're not looking for the credit. You're not looking for like, you know, but at the same time, it's, I think it's difficult to see other people doing something that you've created um, and not being acknowledged for it. And so I loved actually, you took a spin on that. Mm. And one of the spins that you took on that, that I don't think that not only helps other people that want to create a, a creator's space, but people, Black people especially, the franchise piece of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's wild. Yeah, I, um, I had a, a, a friend named Jason. Shout out to Jason White. He's in the um, federal contracting space as a coach. And he came to camp and he, he recorded his entire course. This course is making him a lot of money. He recorded it in camp maybe a year and a half ago. And he was like, yo, Patrice, we need to open one in Baltimore. And I was like, oh, okay. And he was like, you, you ever thought about franchising? And I'm like, no. But then I start to go down. Once I lock in, I go all the way in. I go mm-hmm. super deep dive. And that's all I care about for like three months, a quarter. And found the right lawyer, got it done, took about a year and figured it out. We got our FDD, which is our franchise disclosure document. We're registered in eight states because 
okay, I've inspired you to do it, but you will be a fool to try to do this by yourself mm-hmm. when I've literally given you the blueprint. So, and I've gone at it. I have two ways. I now have uh, a, a course and a masterclass and I'm building a content studio community. Right. Right. Because I don't need one person to give me credit. Like it, yeah. But at the end of the day, Patrice own this, build this community up so that you are the authority mm-hmm. and that everybody knows it. And so you're creating that blueprint so that yep. other people can create the same. Absolutely. And so people who are taking your course, what can they learn? Sure. So the course isn't ready yet, but the masterclass is. And so the masterclass, we spend a lot of time on mindset. Like if you can't do this, if you can't step out in front, like I'm just starting to be comfortable creating content in this way that I'm so forward facing because for a long time, I want to be behind the scenes as a PR person. If you're not able to own who you are and build a community and very succinctly share why this studio needs to exist, then just don't do it. Don't waste Mm -hmm. your time. Nobody can do this for you. You have to be the, the front person. Um, I should go into the value of content and share real stats on how you can be, why content is so important, why it's not going anywhere and why it's important to state your claim in your city now as the, as the place for creatives, but not just creatives. I also share the different types of clients. It's not just vloggers and Instagram models. That's a small piece. Yeah. CBS morning news records at camp. You know, we have brand food companies that hire influencers and then they pay to do it for a full day in the space. Mm-hmm. Obviously podcasters like this is much bigger than, again, the, the local influencer. Not to say there's anything wrong with that because we work with them all, literally. Mm-hmm. But this is a much bigger entity that can attract so many more guests. So yeah, there's a masterclass now. It's a two hour class that you can purchase via all the open a content studio pages, but then also the course will be much bigger built out and we're going to be pre-selling it in about a month or so. We're all creators. Yeah. We're all creating content. If you have any type of social media platform, you're a content creator. That term wasn't being used in the way it's being used now. Right. Mm -hmm. But we've been doing it. And especially if you're working in the communications and marketing role, if you are drafting email messaging, if you are scripting or directing videos for your customer, like it's all content. We just have a name for it now versus having to call it every single thing that it, that it used to be. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, I used to hate the word, oh, content, content, content. I used to roll my eyes, but it's what we do. I've been creating content from day one. Right. So I think we have to embrace it. And again, if you're on social media and if you post something that is content yeah. and it is representing you as a brand, a personal brand or as a business. So my thing is you might as well make money off of it. You might as well figure out a way to use this free platform to grow your audience, to grow your bank account. If mm-hmm. it matters, if you're cool with just boom, connecting with family members, all, all good. Mm-hmm. But my thing is, hey, if I'm going to be here, let's make it worth my while. And I'll tell you, I've been on Instagram, what, since 2012? And I just cracked the code on how to really use it. One mm-hmm. of my posts went viral earlier this year, which is what put me over the 10K mark. I'm not saying that because it means anything. Mm-hmm. But that's when I was like, yo, that's a lot of people. No, there's I, a there's a formula. No, yeah, yeah, so, right. yeah, like, let's just figure this out and just try what works. And I have a content studio. 
So why in the world would not would I not be using this type of platform to bring attention to said business? Now, I do think that we put a lot of uh, emphasis on Instagram or TikTok. If you're going to go into it with a business, if you're going to go into it with making money in mind, because that's what a business is, you offer a service, you offer a product, you make money. Mm-hmm. That's a business exchange. If you're going to go into it with the thought that you want to make money, you have to have a strategy. The strategy cannot be posting three times a day, right? Okay. The goal has to get people off of the platform. So my, there might be a piece of content that I post of me in a bathing suit, which is going to happen this weekend because it's fire and I need, it's just going to get engagement. Yeah. But that's, that's like one, that's like a 25%, 20% of the time. Everything else is linking you back to my business or a product that I'm selling or and this is actually the biggest piece somewhere where you can get, I can get your email address. Okay. You got to get people off the platform. You need to get these people email addresses. Mm-hmm. Like that is one reason why I don't like peer space because you don't get your customer data. You're, you're talking to them. You're seeing how what time they need, but you don't get an email address. So you mm-hmm. can never go back to that person and say, Hey, we're having a special check us out. Mm. And but but you know, but Peerspace got their email address, Peerspace got their phone number and automatically puts it into their queue in their system. So you wanna, if you're gonna build a connection or if you're gonna build this audience of 5K people, 400 people, 20 people, 20,000 people, there has to be a way that you can touch base with them once these platforms crash. We've seen it happen before. Yeah. It's yeah. it's normal, it's technology. Yeah. Um and so, that, so if, if you, again, we are all creators. Mm-hmm. If you're using this platform to talk about something, I don't care what it is, you're a creator. But if you want to take it to the next step of hopefully making some money off of it, if that's your goal, then there should be a call to action. You've got to figure out a way to get them to trust you to share their information with you. Because then it just it just grows and grows and grows. If you keep doing what you do, they're going to keep coming to you and you can really build sustainable businesses off of it. Like there's, I'm, you know, I'm looking at a chart right now. There's 30 million people in the world who consider themselves content creators to your point. Yeah. And those are, those are like amateurs, right. On just on Instagram alone. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a lot of people. You only need 0.5% to do some damage, you know, if you have a product or if you, if there's something, even again, even if you're not selling, Mm-hmm. Just getting those email addresses so you can build a relationship with them. I have people DMing me questions all the time about content studios. I answer the questions and then I say, click here to learn more. That's the call to action. Yep. I like that you're mentioning that too, because I think that everyone does, you you go online, you go onto these social platforms and you see all of these people with all of this engagement and you just wonder how they're doing it. And I think yeah. call to action, it, and it is like, at the end of the day, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, they're all owned by other people that yeah. you, you have to have ownership of your content. Yeah. So that's like through your website, that's your blog, that's like the yeah. services that you provide. So are you finding that um, the call to action, is it, are you making like trend, trendy reels? Are you making the call to action in your caption? Like what's yeah. the, or do, do we need to sign up for one of your courses to find the answer? <laughs> no, absolutely. So my call to action is my call to action is usually really just for people that want to open a content studio. 
So, and this is just my content in the last six months. Once I really decided that I need to go down this path. And let me also say that God told me to build this content studio community in November of last year. Mm -hmm. And I didn't take it seriously until August of this year. And I think about where I could be if I would have listened to him Mm -hmm. a year ago, but it's all good. We're here now. But I'm also like, I say that to say, if it's on your heart and you feel compelled, do it. Don't waste time. Mm -hmm. So fast forward to where we are now. And I'm just talking about owning a content studio and what that looks like. It's very niche. Okay. If you're on the, if you happen to find me and this is what you want to learn about. Cool. Great. Welcome. We having fun here. My reels when I do them are so simple. I'm usually, there's a video that I've created that I might not have even captured it. My son might've captured it when he was helping with the podcast episode. I'll find the video. I'll match it to a trending audio and I'll say five reasons to open a content studio. Here's who you need to have on your team. Like real easy, digestible content. Want to learn more? I'm having a masterclass next week. Tap the link. Mm -hmm. And when you tap that link, the first thing you see is an email form. It's not the link to buy the course. It's the link to get your info. Once you give me your info, then you're taken to the the form to register to learn more. I got, I got to get your information first because you yeah. already got mine. Let me get yours. So some people do that. Some people spend all the time creating everything. I spend more time creating my email content than I do my Instagram content. Yeah. Because what, yeah. email converts converts way more, right? Our, my email conversion rates, and I, I don't have the chart in front of me, but um, based on literally the last, the, the content studio class that I did on August 29th, I don't know when this is going to come out. Like our conversion, my conversion rate was, and this is, this is click, you know, it, it, it went out to what, 150 people, a hundred of those people opened it and 30% of those people clicked. That's crazy. Conversion. That is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And that shows you, it's not about the number of people. It's about the quality how many of those people really care about mm-hmm. what you're what you're telling them? I grew that email list to 250 in one month because these were people that were hyper focused on opening a content studio. Mm-hmm. Focus on who 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 you're talking to and give them what they want. They're gonna buy from you. Yeah. What you're referring to for the listeners who don't know is lead generation. Like that's, that. Absolutely. That's exactly what it is. That's it. Yep. 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 So no, I'm not creating these funky, fun reels all the time. I ain't got time for that. I got three kids. I got a husband. Who's going to say? Full-time job. No, <laughs> I'm taking content that already exists. I'm matching it with audio that is hot at the time. And I'm just putting some in- quick facts and I'm probably going to go to chat GPT to create the caption. I'm going to edit it to make it work for me. And we're going to post it. If content creators are trying to use your space camp space do y'all provide um videographers and photographers and and some of those in in the equipment or is this kind of like we provide the space and you have to bring all of your stuff it's both so when we you know the first four years it was we provide the space you bring all your stuff because the the reality is most people are creating it on their own Mm -hmm. they have their tripod they have their ring light and they doing what they do um that's that's the majority but if you need the support, we have an arsenal of photographers, videographers, audio engineers, 
the full gamut. When you go to our Instagram page, you'll see a lot of the reels, like full production Yeah, in the background. I love, I love a good behind the scenes. So yes, we can offer both, you know, if, if you want to, if you have a budget, a tight budget, or even if you just know you can knock it out yourself, book your two hours, you can get all your content for the month. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be great because it's going to be in a professional setting. You're going to have it to yourself and it'll be consistent. Your branding will be consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if you're like, no, I just want to hire you. Like when I record, I have a podcast, like I said, we film it all in the space. I have, I bring in a team. Mm-hmm. And when you go to the podcast, YouTube and the, or you listen on a platform, you'll hear the, the quality because while I think everybody should start where they are, yep. if it is something you want to do, you do have to progress. And when you listen to some of the older episodes or watch them, they were not, they weren't, they were like, oh Lord, you released that, but absolutely. Because mm-hmm. it also shows the story of the progression. Yep. Um, so yeah, we can tech, we can handle it all for you where all you do is show up and shoot. Um, we also have a VIP content creation package where we give you full direction. Um, we, we have the photographer, the photographer, the videographer, everything. You literally show up and, and, and create, and we send everything to you within two weeks, high quality. And you use that to roll out your offer. You use that to roll out your brand. Um, so we have a wait list available for that. That's awesome. And would those types of services be, um, the same for someone who, uh, goes into the franchise that's like building a franchise. Yeah, yeah. We and so that's the the beautiful thing about owning your business. You can test out things, mm-hmm. and through coaching, through learning, through mentorship, I'm finding out the things to test out, and I'm now creating the system and the the SOP so that when you open as a franchise, you have a gamut of services that you can roll out. Mm-hmm. This is how you do it. This is how much you charge. This is how many people you need to get. Go. If it works for your industry, for your, your demographic, then keep doing it. Yeah. But if not, then tweak it some, right? We're, we're um, piloting our headshot days. So the first Saturday of every month, we're going to be doing headshot days, right? 20 minutes, you come in, you take pictures, boom, boom, boom. You have some drinks, you meet people, and then you leave. We're going to do that every Saturday. Mm-hmm. Partnering with a local photographer. And we're just splitting it 50, 50. And we're going to do it every month. And that yeah. is absolutely something that our franchisees should do. Maybe they don't do it on Saturday. Maybe they do it on Sunday. They can work that out. But my job is to figure out the systems, the products that work and put it in an SOP. So our franchisees can, can go. And as part of this podcast, what I, I love to bring people on to bring people on who have different type of business models, but I also love to talk about like how to sustain these businesses. So um, in terms of funding, are you solely relying on people booking the space or have you applied to any grants? Are you interested in VC funding or take me through that? Like, how are you, how are you making money, girl? (laughs) Um, okay. So bootstrapped absolutely to open, had some money from a 401k, um, got some money from family opened, then just totally ran off of revenue and took profit. Then the pandemic happened. And that's when I was like, oh yeah, we need some grants. So we secured probably about 25 to 30 K in grants. And I did a podcast episode on that. Um, and then things slowed down. 
And so I was having to pay for some stuff personally. But during the pandemic, I also was doing still doing my PR so that revenue from that was able to pay the expenses for camp. Um, I know you're not really supposed to co-mingle, but we had to keep the doors open. And yeah. our, my landlord was super helpful. Now um, we're breaking even because I haven't been able, and I'm just being super transparent, haven't been able to market it in the way that I need, that I used to. Um, and so this is why I'm, but again, I'm now re-energized. Like, yo, let's, let's figure this out. Cause you do, I have to, franchisees, franchisors, there, it's not about opening more spaces. Your job, my job is to make sure my franchisees make money. Mm-hmm. That's it. And this is what I really got it when I went to that conference last year, which is why it's so important to do things like professional development and really reach out and get what you need to learn. Mm-hmm. I could have 17 camps, but if they're not making money, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. My franchisees need to make money and I got to show them how to do it. And um, so, yeah, we're, we're breaking even right now, but trying out all these different things, I think will absolutely um, change that, shift it so that we're in the green. Um, and then I, I have absolutely thought about VC. I've thought about exit strategy, but we have to have more I have to have some more, I got to get some more, I have to have some locations before I go down that path. Yeah. And speaking of locations, are you, are, do you have any franchisees right now? I don't, we are still just one location. Um, and in conversations, people have somebody at the conference last week, someone said to me, you should open another one yourself before you franchise. And that makes sense, right? Proof of concepts. Okay. And we have a sustainable system in two locations and then see what happens. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pondering that right now. Um, but I have a call. Somebody's interested. I've had a couple calls with people that are interested, but I just needed to slow walk it because I don't want to, I want to set people up for success. That's yeah. all, you know, yeah. this is something I have to do. I'm not like, I got to open these. It's not that it has to make sense. It has to feel right. Um, and, you know, I'm, when we talk about team, I, I'm married. My husband has a very demanding job. So I'm doing this by myself. And that is probably the one thing that I wish I would have thought through a little more from a, like building a team standpoint or just having a partner. Yeah. Because it has been very heavy and it's so much to do. And again, I, and I'm working a full-time job now as well. Um, so and, and maybe that just means t- taking a step back. I don't know. We're going into a whole nother conversation about taking care of yourself and, and not doing the most. Um, but mm. I also know I'm a person that I don't do well. Uh, I don't mind as a devil's playground for me. And I don't do well when I'm just sitting. I got to have a few things going on. Me too. <laughs> you know? Balls have to be juggling for me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I love that. And I think that that's like a great, ending point before this rapid fire, but I just wanted to give you a chance to add anything that we may have not already talked about, but you would like the listeners to walk away with today. Absolutely. You know, just say yes. I think the first thing is say yes. Like I'm in a season of saying yes. I didn't always do podcast interviews, um, but I'm in a season of just saying yes. And sometimes that yes is going to feel like, why did I do this? But you're going to learn. If you just keep your mind open and your heart open, there will be something that comes out of it. Mm -hmm. 
like a relationship, like you and me know each other now, you know? Um, so just always come from a place of yes and understand everything happens for a reason. And you got to just remember that nothing, yeah. is, nothing is for not. Um, and just obvious, of course, check out camp. I want to play a rapid fire with you. Just some okay. quick questions I've come up with just okay. um, so we can get to know you a little more than we already have. But um, as you mentioned, your background is in strategic comms and marketing, um, and you've worked with pr- some pretty notable campaigns. Who was the most influential person you worked with? Oh, wow. Oh. Um, influential organization was the Covenant House. Mm. And when I say influential, I mean for me in the work that I did. So Covenant House is a national nonprofit. And they're essentially a shelter for homeless youth. And there's so many homeless youth, especially in DC. It's alarming. And we, when I work with them, I did the social media and the press for their sleep out. And so we had 40 to 50 influencers, DMV, cool people, sunny in the city from the radio. Like we all slept outside for a night Mm. and we raised so much money for that organization. And just to be a part of that. And at this point, I don't even know if we were in our 30s yet. We might've been like 31, 32, living our lives, okay? But to see all of these DMV cool influencers, now they're called influencers. Back then we were just the hip people. To see all of us together sleeping outside, um, it was powerful. We had Kitchen Cray, Chef JR, he catered it. Um, like I said, Sonny was there. We had the radio station, Tony Lewis Jr. It was just crazy. And we were all outside sleeping for, for youth. And so that was the most influential, impactful moment mm-hmm. in this time. I, love I don't that. really trip off of celebrities. Like celebrities, they're really normal people to me. They don't matter. They do matter, but they're not any more important than the person across the street. Yeah. And I like that you feel that way too. It keeps you level-headed. Yes. Yes. Um, what's your advice for someone looking to open a brick and mortar content um, studio? Yeah, you need to have three months, three to six months rent stacked up because you never know what you're, if people are going to be there. Um, I would remember it's no one cares about the key in the empty space picture. Oh, I got the keys. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Can you pay your rent every month? Yes. Can you pay your rent every month? And if you don't have a plan for that, then you should figure out another way to do it. You need to partner with somebody. Um, I don't know, maybe be a pop-up shop. And then um, maybe think about owning the building. So I think our building will be a for sale soon. And we're really considering how can we partner to with some people to buy it? Yes. Because you're paying uh, rent. Like, and also don't make it all pretty because none of that is yours. It belongs to the landlord. Mm-hmm. That's why we don't do too much structurally in the space because it ain't mine. I can't take it with me. Mm -hmm. No, that's so important to say. And so you mentioned in your bio, you like to travel. So Mm -hmm. do you have any trips coming up? I'm going to Miami for my big brother, best friend's birthday weekend. And for my 40th, I'm going to go to Mexico. Just not sure if I want to do Cabo or Tulum. Oh, okay. Well, I'll be looking out on Instagram. Oh, yes. I love travel. I love, tra- I've already started the list of shots I want to get on my birthday while yes. I'm there. 
Yeah. And I've already like located the photographers and everything. Yeah. I'm ready for this birthday behavior. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you could write a book, what would it be about and why? Oh, yes. It would be about um, being content and abundance and how um, this world of content marketing has really changed the lives for Black women. Mm-hmm. And I am actually working on that right now. Yes. Yeah. I love that. And I could talk about that, but um, we could talk about that offline. Okay. Uh, <laughs> do you have a favorite quote? Oh, um, um, I feel like I live in quotes, like I talk in cliches. <laughs> um just get it done just just get it done like you know I, I'm not I don't I'm not a talk I'm not a big I can talk like we can have a great conversation but like what we doing that's it what we doing mm-hmm. I say that to a lot of people my son my supervisor to myself she don't hear me say it but like what we doing mm-hmm. and that's like from a standpoint of like really did you think about that what's going on have you thought strategically about it but what are we doing yeah. Everybody talks. What are we doing? What's mm-hmm. the action? Don't talk to me if you haven't done the work. And that's yeah. personally, you have a child who is not doing what you want them to do, who hasn't stepped into a space. Have you showed that child what to do? Have you done it? If not, then what are we doing? Yeah. And I really try to live my life in an action-based stance and not a talking stance. And if I'm talking about it, it's because I did it. Yes. And I think that is just in this world we live in, content is great, but all it is, it's, it's, it's a highlight reel of what people want you to think they did. Mm-hmm. So we got to get back to actually doing it. And I also think like when you said that quote for me, what I thought of is sometimes we talk so much that we talk ourselves out of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like, like you had mentioned earlier about um, podcasting and you think everybody should, you said, you think that everyone, if you wanted to create this content, go ahead and do it. Um, and you, the audio may not sound yeah. great in your first episode, but you put it out there because yeah. it's out there. And then you yeah. build from that. Like yeah. I, I really do. That's a quote that I tell myself often too, cause I'm very action oriented. I'm like, okay, I've been talking about it. Like for three weeks now I've done turn my face blue. Everybody knows what I'm t- like do it do it just do you it know, amber i think that is such a great quality <laughs> accountability is the most unappreciated quality in in thing but it's not for me it's not really about being accountable to others it's about being accountable to myself so when i spoke about this vision of having this content studio community and this resource i only could smack myself because I know that I put it, I wrote it down in November of last year. And it's like, yo, you did not do what you said you were going to do. How dare you do that to yourself? Like Patrice, what's up? Like get it together. And it's like, if we can't be hold ourselves accountable to do it, then why does it even matter? Yeah. Like you have to have an inner code. Yeah. And it's harder to let yourself down because you have to sit with that. If you let somebody else down, you, you may feel bad in the moment, but you walk away and you live your life. But having to, you wake up in that cold sweat at night, you're like, 
this is what I was supposed to do and I didn't do it. Like sitting with that, it just, it's too painful. So just freaking do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, what do you do for self-care? Oh girl, I try to go for a run or a walk every day, especially while it's nice outside. Um, I love Bikram yoga, but that walk, that daily walk really helps me just nature. Mm-hmm. And I just started meditating, not just started. Um, in July, I just really made a point to meditate every morning. And that's been helpful too. Five minutes a day. You don't got to do much, but just like right when I wake up, I just sit at the edge of my bed, like on the floor in my in my house, in my bedroom. I put a pillow behind me and I just turn on my meditation music and I just set an intention, five minutes. Mm. Um, that's been really helpful. I love that. And uh, how can people find you? Yay. Um, just Patrice Camo. I am my name. None of those fancy names, just my first name and my last name, patricecamo.com at Patrice Camo on all social platforms. And definitely all of that will connect you to the business, but it's also at camp spaces. I love connecting with people. I love having great conversations. And if I can be a resource or help, I'm your girl. And it might not be in a direct way. It might be on a reel that you saw, like I love posting inspirational quotes and just like things that pop into my head. I'm going to turn it into a, I'm going to put it in Canva, put it a quote and post it. Mm-hmm. Because if it, if I feel like I can help, I'm, I'll be 40 in two months, three months. And I'm like, I'm in the auntie phase. Like I've experienced enough life to be able to like share it and be yeah. like, girl, bro, you tripping, you need to do it this way. So I might not be able to have those one-on-one conversations with you, but absolutely connect on social because it's some gems. I love that. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, this was amazing. Wishing you all the best. Thank you, Patrice. That's it for this week's episode of A Bright Idea. Tune in each week as we interview entrepreneurs to find out their aha moment that launched their businesses. Today's episode featured Patrice Camus, founder of Camp Spaces. You can support Camp Spaces by booking one of their services on their website, campspaces.com, or by following them on social media at Camp Spaces. We're building a community on a bright idea, so follow them on social media, give them a review, and tell all of your friends. Until next week, I'm Amber Key.